you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Uh, hi, folks. This is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. The Chris Voss Show. And welcome to the big show, my family and friends. We certainly appreciate you here. The greatest show on earth. Assembling the greatest audience known to man on earth. Or something like that. I love you all. That's the most important part of that whole message, even though it's a little bit of hyper-bullish. Is hyper-bullish a word, or is it just hyper-bull? I don't know. I flunked college. But we have a literally literary giant on the show and clearly it's not me jay jance one of my favorite authors uh she's been on the show three or four times now and uh, i love having her on every time she's always angelic glorious she has so much of a, a storied history and she's written more books than i think just about anybody at this pace uh but we'll talk to her about that here in a second she is launching today or i'm sorry not today but she's talking to us today about her new book uh that launches on march 14th 2023 uh her new book is collateral damage uh, it's part of the uh ally reynolds series book number 17 in that series and so you're going to order it up and we've had her on the show multiple times so if you get a chance google uh the other shows that we've had with her uh she joins us on the show she's the new york times best-selling author of a ton of books i know this number here is probably old they put on amazon uh she writes contemporary mysteries in four different series she's a voracious reader she wanted to be a writer from the moment she read her first wizard of oz book in the second grade always drawn to mysteries from nancy drew right through uh john d mcdonald's Travis McGee series. It was only natural when she tried her hand at writing her first book, and it uh, would be a mystery as well. Uh, she went on to become a New York Times bestseller with the J.P. Beaumont series, the Joanna Brady series, three interrelated thrillers, including uh, the Walker fan family and Edge of Evil. Born in South Dakota and brought up in Bisbee, Arizona, she lives with her husband in Seattle, Washington, and tucson arizona welcome to the show mrs jance how are you i'm just fine you called me, you you said i was a literary giant and actually that's true i'm i'm six one <laughs> and when people meet me in person they say well you you don't look that tall in your cover photos well the cover photos are usually sitting down it's <laughs> just a headshot usually on cover photos so there you go. Maybe maybe you need to put a photo of yourself on the back of your, of the thing with like a measuring tape or like standing next to a door so that people. Uh, no, I think I'll pass on that. I'll just <laughs> let them be surprised. I mean, really, it's your work. It's your writing that, that is the big thing that is the attraction to people. So there you go. I mean, people, people, you know, I'm six one two, And uh, so I think it's six one six two somewhere in the middle there. It depends if I stand up straight, like my mom told me when I was young. But, uh, you know, people still think I'm, uh, you know, I'm brilliant. No, they don't. I'm just kidding. Uh, so, uh, Mrs. Jance, uh, give us your .coms, wherever you want people to find you on the interwebs and stuff. Where can they find me on the internet? Yes, uh, .coms or whatever website, or just tell people to go buy the darn book already. I'm at jajance.com, and my I, po I post a weekly blog. It posts every Friday morning, 
And this week, it's a look back at last week's Tucson Festival of Books, which mm -hmm. was an amazing event with more than 100,000 people showing up at the mall on the Uni University of Arizona campus. Mm -hmm. Happens to be my alum, and I'm I'm always happy to go to Tucson. I was I had been really looking forward to Tucson in the spring, and so I was a little surprised that it snowed in Tucson the night before I got there. <laughs> they were probably surprised as well. But it oh, was it was actually on the lawn of the Arizona Inn when I checked in on Thursday night. There was actually a snowman. I've never seen one of those on the croquet court before. <laughs> But by, by Friday, the snow was gone, and the weekend was simply glorious. There you go. So, uh, you know, you've written a, I, on your Amazon page, it says you only have 47 books, and I know it's in the 60s. That's wrong. That's wrong. I actually have, this book is number 64. There you go. And the book that's coming out in September, Blessing of the Lost Girls, will be number 65. And the, the miracle is... All of my books are still in print because I never left my original publisher. Mm -hmm. So all of the books are still there. And for years, people have told me reading your books is like eating Fritos because you can't read just one. <laughs> and, and that's for me, that's wonderful because if I hook a reader mm -hmm. with the new book, they've got a lot of black backlist to go back through. There you go. You're like a drug dealer of mystery novels. Yes. You're getting people hooked. Somebody actually asked me if there was a 12-step program for J.H.N.'s books, and I said, no, not that I know of. <laughs> no, is he the one who had the alcoholic issue? We talked about that on some prior shows. Oh, that was, that's J.P. Beaumont. Beaumont, yeah. He, my first husband died of chronic alcoholism, alcoholism at age 42, a year and a half after I divorced him. And so when I started writing about J.P. Beaumont, the story was in the first person, and he was supposed to, he, he was a cop, but he couldn't be a cop all the time. So writers write what they knew, know, mm -hmm. and I knew a lot about drinking, so he did the kind of drinking I had lived with for all those years. Mm -hmm. Well, what I didn't realize and what my readers did, I was creating, I was writing from a model of a problem drinker. Mm. And in the fourth book, when the fourth book came out, people started pointing out that they thought J.P. Beaumont had a problem. <laughs> so that was book four. He went into treatment in book uh, eight. So I'm writing Beaumont number 26 right now. Oh, so he has been in recovery a lot longer than he wasn't. But I still have people who tell me they liked him better when he was a drunk. <laughs> I have some rock and roll bands that I like better when they're drug and, and uh, boozing days. But, you know, it's it's probably better that he's off the sauce because, you know, now he'll live longer uh, continuing well, your books. He's, he's having some time to deal with the things he did wrong in a yeah. life. But... Uh, I wrote nine Beaumont books in a row and I was tired of him and I threatened to knock him off. And my editor said, well, write something else. So I wrote the first Walker book, Hour of the Hunter. And that was told through multiple points of view with an elastic band 
for a timeline and go writing that was like going on vacation. Well, then my, when I went back to Bo, it was fun again. And my editor said, okay, come up with another character so you can alternate. I did that. And that was where Joanna Brady came from. But by the early 2000s, I was tired of all of them. <laughs> I was just done. And so my, my then editor said, well, come up with a new character can be a new character. Come up with a, a story, write a book that, and have it here by the 1st of January. It can be new character, old character, set it wherever you like, and we'll publish it as an original paperback. Well, it was May. I can write a book between May and January. So I said, sure. So they sent me a contract. I signed it. They sent me a check. I spent it. And then I had a problem because I had no idea who I was going to write about. So June and July passed. August and September passed. Suddenly, it was the middle of October, and I had no idea who was going to be in the book that was due in New York by the 1st of January. We were in Tucson at the time. We, recently, we sold our, our Tucson resident just, just before COVID, and it's a good thing. We wouldn't have been able to get there. Uh, but we were in Tucson. So one Thursday, I was having a serious, serious case of writer's block. So I went to the family room. I turned on the noon news, and Patty Weiss, my favorite Tucson news broadcaster was there. She went to work in television news in Tucson when she was still a student at the U of A. So I watched the noon news. When the five o'clock news came around that evening, I still had writer's block, so I went to watch the five o'clock news and Patty Weiss had vanished from the screen. She wasn't on assignment, she wasn't on vacation, she was just gone. So over the weekend, we discovered that between the new news and the five o'clock news, her useful new news director had come to her desk, told her she was too old to be on TV and escorted her from the building. Whoa. It's a bad idea to make mystery writers mad. That was Thursday afternoon. And by Monday, I was writing about a character named Allie Reynolds being yanked off her news anchor desk in L.A., for the same reason. That was the first Allie Reynolds book. Collateral Damage is Allie Reynolds, number 17. So she's been around for a while. She came back to Arizona in, in the first Allie book, Edge of Evil, and started trying to duct tape her life back together. And she's now established she has a new husband. She has a new role running uh, a cybersecurity uh program a company with her with her new husband and and her life has changed considerably there you go so uh it, you you're still discovering this and flushing out this character uh that's a that's a good note i'll make to myself never piss off a mystery writer uh, <laughs> it's good advice actually um, you know i i I'd probably end up on the uh being one of the people who die in the thing i'd be like that star trek character that always goes down to the planet and wears the red shirt and never comes back yes, that's usually me red shirts. You'd be a <laughs> so uh give us a flush out of the story what's inside and what's it what's entailed for your character Allie with this book well 
the thing about this book is it's, it's the book out of all 64 of them, actually 65, that took me the longest time to write because mm -hmm. it took one whole year from March 2021 to March 2022. And it was, it was just an incredible, I couldn't get the story to move. I couldn't get it to come together. Now, mm -hmm. my, my husband is a retired electronics engineer and engineers fixed him, fix things. And he, he's more from being an electronics engineer to being my literary engineer. Hmm. For an earlier Ellie book, I couldn't make the, the end come into focus. So I had him read it and I said, please tell me how to finish this book. And he read it and this is all he told me. He said, well, why don't you do it the easy way? And so I did. <laughs> what is the what is the easy way? Well, you have to read Deadly Stakes. Oh, you have to read the book. I see what you're teasing and so setting up here. This, okay. Because I was having such a tough time with it, I finally after the book was about a third written written, mm -hmm. and I gave it to Bill and I said, Please read me, read this and tell me what you think. So he had it for quite a time. And finally, he gave it back to me and he said, and this is a direct quote, this is a mess. I can't read it. <laughs> well, at least he was honest. <laughs> he, is, he is a very brave man and he is he an honest man. Yeah. Most husbands don't survive that sort of thing. That's what makes him so valuable. So I tried to read it, what I had written, and he was right. It was a mess. I, I don't know if you went to Sunday school, but one of the songs back then was the wise man built his house upon the rock. And that was the problem with this book. Oh. The book was built on sand. Mm. I knew who the bad guy was, but he hadn't shown up in person. And so I hadn't seen him in the flesh. My readers hadn't seen him. And that was why the book wasn't going anywhere. So I had to go in and do a complete rewrite and bring him into focus so the book could could move forward. So by the time I finally sent it in, I thought, oh, this has been, this has taken so long. It's My editor is probably going to read it and just say, you know, I want, we want our money back. <laughs> I so doubt that. I, but I had a brand new editor. So I sent it to her. Uh -huh. And she got married the next week and then she went on her honeymoon. So instead of having an editorial letter back in a couple of weeks, it was over a month before it came back. Oh. When I sat down to work on it again, I had been away from it long enough that I thought, well, this isn't as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> and now when readers are telling me that they haven't been able to put the book down, that they've stayed up late reading it, that it's really fast paced. It's the author doesn't always know what's going on. There you go. So why did you title it collateral damage? Where does that title come from? And uh, tease out a little bit of the meaning. In the very first scene, Allie's husband, B Simpson is on his way to London for a conference. 
a cybersecurity conference. Mm-hmm. And Hal Holden, who runs a sort of private uh, shuttle company, picks him up at home and is driving him to Sky Harbor, from Sedona to Sky Harbor in Phoenix. And a big old truck gets in behind them and is just right on the tail of it. Hal Holden drives this classic Lincoln Continental from back in the old days, a big big hunk of American-made sheet metal. And so this guy is just all over his bumper. Well, once they get headed down I-17, the guy forces them off the highway. Mm. And uh, Hal Holden and B. Simpson are both injured seriously enough that they're airlifted to the hospital. And so B. Simpson is sort of a high-profile guy. And when they determined that this was not an accident, it wasn't an accident, this was a deliberate uh, vehicular homicide attempt, the local law enforcement assumes that B must have been the target Hmm. and that the driver was merely collateral damage. Allie Reynolds, with the help of her cohorts at high noon uh, at uh, oh, at their cybersecurity high noon enterprises. I lost the name for a moment. Names come and go if you have too many floating around in your head. Um, they start an investigation on their own with the help of of um, high noons pet AI, their artificial intelligence is named Frigg. And Frigg came into being through my literary engineer. I'm sitting next to him. He's watching TV in the family room. I'm sitting next to him typing it. There were seven kids in our family, and we all did our homework at the kitchen table while our our mother was making dinner. So I can work in a certain amount of chaos. So if he's watching TV, it doesn't bother me. But I'm sitting there minding my own business, and he says, you know, AI is sort of interesting. You should write about AI. And I said, are you talking to me? I'm a liberal arts major. What do I know about AI? (laughs) So he started giving me articles on AI. Mm. And I read them. He maintains that I have a wearing blender inside my head. And information comes into my head, however it comes in, either seeing it or hearing it or reading it. But when it leaks back out through my fingertips into the keyboard, it's fundamentally changed. Hmm. So I learned about artificial intelligence, but by the time it went through the wearing blender, it came out as this character named Frigg. And Frigg was created by this brilliant computer guy who created her to be his partner in crime because he was a wannabe serial killer. Ah. So Frigg's deep learning is all about 
learning things she isn't supposed to learn and doing stuff she isn't supposed to be able to do. So Ellie is able to use AI, Frigg's capabilities, but she can't reveal her source because most of what Frigg does is absolutely illegal. Oh, wow. So this story is a story of a revenge killer, a guy who spent 20 years, the better part of 20 years in prison, thinking about how he's going to get even with the people who set him up. Mm. And the book starts with a homicide in Minneapolis, Minnesota. There's another homicide in Pasadena, California. There's the uh, wreck on the Arizona highway. And there's someone else who's next on the list in Eugene, Oregon. So it's a story that encompasses any number of police jurisdictions. And although Allie, it's an Allie Reynolds book, and although she's not in actual danger, she's not, she's not the character who is in jeopardy. She is the one acting as the puppet master behind the curtain drawing all of these jurisdictions together and turning them on, on the right road. It's mm -hmm. also a picture of, you know, it, these days in the media, we only hear about cops if they're bad cops and they do something wrong mm -hmm. or if they're dead cops because somebody shot them. Mm -hmm. We don't hear about the cops who do their job every day, who are haunted by the cases they don't solve, we don't we don't see that and this is a collection uh, at one point one of the characters said it took a whole village to solve this crime and it's a village of cops in several different jurisdictions and and they emerge as real people you see them you see what motivated them to become police officers in the first place you see hmm. what what affects them as they go down the road, uh, it's. I think, I think any law enforcement officer who reads this book would find that I try to do justice to them. Awesome, you know, and and there's lots of great police officers in the world, and it's and it's like you described. Um, yeah, so, uh, anything else we can tease out about the book to get people to pick it up? Is there any? Uh, cliffhangers or uh, anything you I know we can't give away the ending of course and usually the middle but uh, anything more you want to tease out on the book in I spent five years as a K through 12 librarian mm -hmm. on the Tahana Adam reservation west of Tucson mm -hmm. and I learned and told many of the Tahana Adams stories and legends but in in the storytelling tradition of the desert people, that's what Tohono O'odham means, desert people. I learned that a story must end where it begins. Mm. And readers will find that's true in collateral damage. The book ends where it began, but if the end of that book 
doesn't give you goosebumps, I'll be surprised. Mm. When I was editing that book, when I got to the last page, I had goosebumps. And actually, thinking about that last page right now, I have goosebumps on my legs. Wow. Is that enough of a cliffhanger? That says something, especially when you've, you know, you read it a million times editing it and stuff. That's definitely a cliffhanger. I think people are going to love this. Have you ever thought about taking like all your character, you know, Marvel Studios, you know, in those movies from Marvel, they, they take all the superheroes and they put them in one movie. You ever thought about taking all your different characters from the different? Well, Ellie, Ellie ended up belonging to Simon and Schuster. All of the other characters belong to, to Harper Collins. And ah. so in the book that's coming. Actually, here's something that's interesting. After spending a whole year writing Collateral Damage, when I finished writing that book, I had this little seed of an idea that had been sitting in the back of my head all during that year. And in our family, our mother, Abby Busk, decreed that you had to eat everything on your, you had to eat a little bit of everything, everything on your plate. And if you didn't clean your plate, no dessert. And so my literary version of cleaning my plate is I'm not allowed to look at the next book until I finish cleaning my plate mm. of the one I'm working on. So I was focused on collateral damage and I, I think it's a pretty good book. Mm. But in the meantime, this idea was sitting back there. And when I finally started writing that, again, with the help of my literary engineer, because I couldn't find a title. And when he gave me the title, Blessing of the Lost Girls, I started writing the book the next day. Wow. And I wrote it beginning to end in two months flat. Wow. Now, is that the Beaumont book? Or which book is that series? In that? It's a, it's book number six in the Walker family series. Okay, you do the Walkers. Okay, and that's, so that one is due and is written and due out in September. There you go. There you go. Well, you've always got exciting stuff going for you. I just can't wait till you get seventy books the way you're going here. Probably next year. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm well, I'm still in the game. I when I was struggling with collateral damage, I thought. Maybe I've lost my mojo. Maybe I just can't do this anymore. And then I wrote Blessing. And I said, no, I haven't. I haven't lost it. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you. Good for you. Well, it's wonderful to have you on the show. Anything more you want to tease on out before we go? Well, I'll be, I'll be doing... It's, it's the big, the big three-week pack your suitcase and go on forever... Uh, book tour those days are pretty much over mm -hmm. so next week i will be going to going back to arizona to do the grand opening of collateral damage but i'm also going to left coast crime they are giving me <laughs> a lifetime achievement award <laughs> and i guess that's only fair i started writing in 1982 so jp beaumont and i have been together as author and character for more than 40 years now. Well, congratulations. So, so I, I guess it's only fair that they give me a lifetime achievement award. I went to the first left coast crime in San Francisco and I was obviously much younger than him. 
I'm sure I was wearing no-nonsense pantyhose and high heels for that. Uh, I'm 78. I will be wearing my Skechers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still wear the no-nonsense People pantyhose. wanted to see me in, in high heels. They should have come to see me a long time ago. <laughs> there you go. Well, there you go. I mean, you've been writing since 1968, right? No. I, no, 19... I sat down to write my first book in March of 1982. Okay. There you go. Well, it's it's a wonderful ride, and I'm glad to always have you back on the show. Please come for the next book, and it's, just, it's always a joy to have you here. My The first book I wrote was never published by anybody. It is, for, for one thing, it was 1,400 pages long. But in my blog... A week ago, I wrote a blog called Sometimes No is the Right Answer because people were asking me, well, why don't you just get that book out and write it again? So people can go to my website, jajans.com slash blog and read Sometimes No is the Right Answer and you'll see why I have never published that book and never will. Never will. Okay. Well, they say never say never. It might be maybe you know your fans would like it. No, this there is a <laughs> legitimate reason for not publishing that book. There you go. And people people can read about it in the blog. There you go. Well, you can't give people everything. You got to hold back something and and make them you know they, work for it. <laughs> you got to make them work for it. There you go. I love the concept. Well, thank you very much, Mrs. Jance, for coming on the show. Uh, any other dot coms we want to plug before we go out? Uh, actually, they'll be on on um, March fourteenth. They'll be FaceTiming live my an interview from Poison Pen hmm. for that initial signing for collateral damage. So people might want to tune tune into that. There you go. Well, we certainly appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. Thank you, and I'm and thank Colt. Colt is the one who got thanks my thanks to Colt for getting the streamer running. Yeah, good <laughs> job, man. Good job. Well, thank you very much, uh, Mrs. Jance, for coming on. Thanks, to be honest, for tuning in. Go to Goodreads.com for chess Chris Foss, YouTube.com for chess Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com for chess Chris Foss. All the places the show is on the air. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time. Thank Chris. Thank you thank so.